Strontium Pod. Strontium Pod. Strontium Pod. Strontium Pod. Strontium Pod. Strontium Pod. Episode Zero. Welcome to the Dark House. Strontium Pod, a podcast about science fiction, comic books in general, and the classic 2000 AD character Strontium Dog in particular. I'm Herman. Welcome to the doghouse, muties. Alright, well, this being episode zero, I guess I better let you listeners know what you'll be in for. To do that, I think it would be best to get to know each other a little bit better by sharing stories of how we fell in love with science fiction, and for me, of course, science fiction and comics. And this all happened way back in the early 80s. That means I'm old by some listener standards, I guess. I'm in my mid-40s. But I'm old enough to remember when the legendary British comic magazine 2000 AD hit the stands, at least when it was made available in South Africa, which is where I'm originally from. And even though it started publication, in the UK in 1977, when I was just a toddler. It was still really hard for most South Africans to come by this magazine, especially in the small towns where I grew up in. Uh, the weekly progs, as the 2080 anthology issues are called, were never on the spinner racks, and certainly never in the four corner stores that I frequented, where I got my American comics, um, which were mostly superhero fare and horror. But even on trips to neighboring towns, I remember, although they were larger than ours, I never happened upon a prog in the supermarkets or the bookstores or the stationery stores or wherever they sold comics. But it all eventually happened when I was about eight years old, around about 1984, uh, when I stumbled upon a secondhand bookstore in the neighboring town of Krugersdorp. And this was a really well-kept, neat little shop run by an old lady. She hailed from Rhodesia, which is now Zimbabwe. And she was really proud of her little store. Um, but because it was so small, uh, paperbacks and hardcovers and magazines were stacked almost as high as the ceiling. And it was there that I first happened upon my first stack of old progs. I remember I didn't think much of them at the time. They were in terrible condition, and I preferred colored comics back then in any way. But I walked away with at least possibly more than a dozen that day. And um, I'd like to think that it was that very afternoon, although I can't be sure because apparently memory uh, is not to be trusted. But um, 
I reread them endlessly in the weeks that followed after I visited that little shop for the that first time. And I fell in love with all 2080 had to offer, all the characters. Guys like Nemesis the Warlock, Rogue Trooper, Shaco the Killer Bear, Halo Jones, Robo Hunter, Sam Slade, and of course the Dinosaur Hunters from Flesh. And who wouldn't know Judge Dredd, the most famous character. I loved his stories set in a dystopian future Earth. And um, that's the kind of things that I jonesed on back then. Horror and a lot of sci-fi laced with a lot of horror. And, um, you know, but my favorite of all of these futuristic and bone-chilling, merciless, death-dealing killing machines was certainly Johnny Alpha, the mutant bounty hunter known as Strontium Dog. Yeah, he was an immediate favorite of mine. And then over the next few months, I kept going back to that little shop because there were more progs to be had. I didn't have enough money the first time around to walk away with all of them. But I probably picked up most that, you know, most of the progs that were available from that old lady. And um, that gave me maybe 40 or 50 progs, which was still not a lot because if you think a 2080 reader in the UK collecting at the time would have picked up 52 progs plus a couple of specials in one year because it was a weekly magazine so uh, but I had enough to keep me busy um, it was all out of order though so um, you know of course I was always <laughs> looking for more but um, it took a couple of years for me to get my hands on any new 2080 material and around Christmas time usually uh, in South Africa at least stationery stores and bookstores sold annuals uh, and treasury editions of kids' comics at discounted prices. And these were mostly British comics. Uh, things like Buster, The Beano, uh, Shiver and Shake, Dandy, I think Action, uh, Hotspur I quite enjoyed. Stuff like that. And it was at that, you know, at one of these stores at least, um, where my dad picked up the 1986-2000 AD annual for me. And this was actually the first time I saw Johnny Alpha Strontium Dog in color. <laughs> That's right. I had never seen him in color before because all the progs that I had of his adventures um, did not feature him on the cover. And some progs even had their covers ripped off. Uh, some of the magazines I got from that little store. So I remember being amazed by the look of Johnny Alpha, the way Carlos Esquera, uh, who created him along with John Wagner, <clears throat> um, had depicted him and it made me love the character even more and it was also at this time around 1985-1986 that I was already a, a full-blown sci-fi nut thanks to stuff like Star Wars, Blade Runner Ridley Scott's Alien I loved David Lynch's Dune too believe it or not I remember my dad and I we went to see it at the cinema on the day it was released which would probably be like a month or two after it was released in the States and in the UK. It was probably 19, the beginning of 1986, or, or 1985, I should say. And um, I remember loving it, because I was a 10-year-old kid, and anything sci-fi, anything set on distant worlds, anything future, uh, featuring future tech that blew my mind, that would definitely have been in my wheelhouse. But my dad, I remember he was quite unimpressed. <laughs> 
But still, he knew I loved it, so a couple of months later, he bought me Frank Herbert's Dune novels. And after that, of course, I was also a fan then of sci-fi in, in novels and in short stories. Comic-wise, though, some of my favorite series at the time were stuff like Eclipse's comics is uh, Dread Star by Jim Starlin, Alien Legion from Marvel Comics's uh, Epic Imprint, um, and uh, titles from DC Comics like Atari Force and um, their much maligned Omega Men series, which I, I don't, just don't understand why people don't love that series. I adore it. And um, by the way, listeners, all of these comics that I mentioned will be featured on the show uh, at some point in the future. I'll be discussing all of them. Never fear. But then around 1987 or so, I happened upon a a news agent that semi-regularly stocked 2080's weekly prog. And after that, I never looked back. I kept collecting 2080, apart from a brief period in the mid-1990s where I stopped collecting completely for a year or two. But then I quickly got back on the comic book bandwagon and I've been picking up the 2080 magazine pretty regularly since then. But to tell you a little bit more about the show and the format that I'm planning to use, I've decided to take a cue from one of my other shows, Into the Weird, where I used my favorite superhero, Doctor Strange, as a a type of nexus around which Uh, My co-host Billy and I were able to discuss all Marvel Bronze Age weirdness and comics obviously also not featuring Doctor Strange. As a result, we ended up alternating between a Doctor Strange comic and another Bronze Age title of our choosing. So Doctor Strange fans ended up only getting their Doctor Strange fix every other episode. Now, I'll be doing something similar, but you Strontium Dog fans out there don't have to worry you'll definitely get your Strontium Dog fix every episode. Um, Starting with episode one, I'll begin with a Strontium Dog story, usually one to two progs in length. So it'll be very short, but this is gonna be a shorter show than my other shows, possibly 30 to 40 minutes per show. And after that, I'll head on into another sci-fi title, another sci-fi comic that I wanna talk about, followed by a science fiction movie or TV show that I've been enjoying. I might also mention a current sci-fi novel I'm reading, who knows, even some classic short stories from the golden age of science fiction, and some newer stuff from science fiction magazines. Uh, But the comic book titles that I'll be looking at other than the 2000 AD science fiction fair um, will include a lot of newer stuff, things like Image Comics' Saga, East of West, Descender, Black Science, old-school sci-fi classics like Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon, uh, along with EC Comics' Weird Science, which is one of my favorites, and also the magazine Heavy Metal. Um, I'll be looking at French band dessinée science fiction albums, uh, mostly from guys like Alejandro Jodorowsky and uh, the great sci-fi artist, possibly one of the greatest comic book artists of all time, Mobius. And, of course, things like Star Wars and Star Trek and uh, Planet of the Apes in comics. So hopefully there will be something for everyone in this show, for all you science fiction fans out there. And um, it'll probably evolve over time. You know how these things go. I might cut things that don't work and replace it with uh, newer segments. But for now, this initial format will stand. 
Feedback would be appreciated, of course. Um, and speaking about that, I'd also like to invite all of you muties to send in your stories about how you fell in love with science fiction comics and with science fiction in general, and um, hopefully also with Strontium Dog in 2000 AD. Um, you can do so by reaching the show at strontiumpod at gmail.com. That's strontiumpod at gmail.com. Or you can DM me on Twitter. I'm at strontiumpod. I've also set up a blog, which is www.strontiumpod.wordpress.com. And over there, I'll be posting supplemental material as well as some articles about some great science fiction in comics. But now to give you a little bit of a taste of how I'll be approaching the comic discussion part of the show, I've uh, pulled my 2080-1986 annual, which I mentioned earlier, from my shelf here. And uh, we're about to get into some strontium dog. All right, the tale in this annual is called The Beast of Milton Keynes. Now, this is probably one of my favorite stories because it is a one-and-done type of story, but also because it sums up Johnny's world in almost, well, near complete detail. Uh, don't worry, I'll be posting images of this on the blog. So listen and follow along with me if that would make it easier. Uh, you can also find the link to the blog in the podcast description right on your podcatcher. All right, but before we head into the synopsis of this story... I should probably give listeners uh, new to Strontium Dog, if there are any of you out there. The basic premise of the series, set in a post-apocalyptic Britain of the 22nd century, the great nuclear war of 2150 and the resulting Strontium-90 fallout caused a surge in mutant births among the population. And these mutants, called muties, who are completely different to the mutants in Marvel Comics, folks. They're more akin to uh, the mutants in the film Total Recall. Um, these muties are born with severe deformities and almost never with superpowers. Uh, because of this, they are obviously shunned by all the norms, as the rest of humanity are called. And uh, these muties are then subject to pogroms, to slavery, to extermination camps, etc., uh, the bloody mutant human civil war in Britain years later led to the mutants at last gaining their freedom, but at the expense of being ghettoized. Uh, Milton Keynes in New Britain is one such a ghetto. The leaders of this mutant army that fought in the war are forbidden to return to Earth, so uh, but they are allowed to operate as intergalactic bounty hunters also known as search, destroy, or SD agents, uh, but disparagingly called strontium dogs by the norms. And uh, they're situated in uh, kind of like a Justice League of America type orbiting satellite called the Doghouse, which orbits Earth. And that's where all of the strontium dogs go to rest and recuperate after their many intergalactic trips hunting down the scum of the universe. Of course, by this time in the future, Earth has colonized star systems. Uh, and because of the lawlessness of this new frontier, uh, think American West, but in space, uh, bounty hunters are unfortunately a necessity. Uh, 
And Johnny Alpha is, of course, the best of these. He hunts down rogue humans, mutants, aliens, and often on nightmare worlds, in hell dimensions, or even in the distant past. Yeah, that's a thing. Time travel technology is alive and well in the pages of Strontium Dog. Um, so when you think about Johnny Alpha, uh, just think Sergio Leone's man without, with no name from the Spaghetti Westerns, but in space. Um, outfitted with an array of deadly futuristic weapons and gadgets. Um, and of course, Johnny's strange pupilless mutant eyes that emit alpha radiation. Um, he's one of the few mutants out there who does in fact have some form of uh, mutant power, although it's, it's not as easily controlled as the powers that you know Marvel mutants have, but um, it's very useful. It allows him to see through solid objects and also to read the minds of others and sort of do some truth saying to see if someone is lying or telling the truth. And uh, Johnny adventures throughout the galaxy along with his time-displaced Viking partner, Wolf Sternhammer. And uh, that's how he tracks down these uh, reprobates on many, many worlds. So that's basically uh, a bit about Strontium Dog. I hope that helps you new listeners. Um, All right, now let's kick it off. Strontium Dog from the 2080-1986 annual starring in The Beast of Milton Keynes. All right. Okay, the story starts off in the doghouse where uh, the Strontium Dogs are presented with a new bounty. Um, This time around it's a different kind of bounty though because it is uh, one of their own kind that needs to be hunted down. It's a murder warrant, dead, dead or alive, 4,000 credits as the reward. And as soon as it's announced, Johnny Alpha raises his hand and says he'll take it. And on the first page, you see an assortment of uh, mutants in the doghouse, as drawn by Carlos Escara. They're suitably horrific looking. There's one with an elephant snout, a cyclops. There's one with a elongated neck. Um, and of course, many, many mutants with... Uh, body parts attached to their heads that should not be <laughs> attached to their heads. Uh, lots of uh, crazy characters that Carlos Esquera excelled at drawing. Then Johnny takes this job, and um, this is one of the rare times that he's allowed to go back to Earth uh, on a job. This all Strontium Dog uh, search destroy agents are in fact allowed to. They have special dispensation when they're hunting a criminal, and this time around, the criminal is possibly based in Milton Keynes, the mutant ghetto that I talked about earlier. So Johnny and Wolf take the job and Wolf is surprised that old Johnny has decided to hunt down one of his own kind. But Johnny says, if it's a murder warrant, it doesn't matter who it is. He'll bring them to justice. So yeah, Johnny does have a very strong moral sense. He does not do everything for money. In fact, he's given away millions of credits before to people in need. And he makes quite a lot of credits. He makes quite a lot of bank since he's one of the most successful bounty hunters in the galaxy. So they head down to Earth, Wolf and Johnny, and they get in a hover vehicle, and they, uh, which they've uh, rented, and they head off to Milton Keynes, uh, according to the sign outside, the largest mutant ghetto in Europe, and one day all cities will be like this. Mm, ominous. All right, so uh, Johnny and Wolf, as they're driving through Milton Keynes, they, they talk about, you know, even though the war has the civil war between mutants and humans, 
um, has been over for 10 years. Mutants are still treated like third-class citizens. The only thing they got out of it were, were homes in ghettos. But uh, Wolf says at least they're free. At least it's not as bad as it used to be where they were exterminated wholesale by the British government. And um, then they pass by the Johnny Alpha High School, <laughs> which the mutants have in fact erected in honor of Johnny Alpha. And they even pass by Sternhammer Street, which was named after Wolf. And this was because of uh, a story called Mutis Luck way back in uh, Prague 189, in, in the very um, early uh, parts of the, well, the existence of 2000 AD, where I think if I remember the story correctly, um, Johnny had helped some mutants who went to an, uh, an orbiting uh, kind of like a Las Vegas casino style space station. Some mutants had uh, gone there to win some money in order to improve the living conditions of the people in Milton Keynes. And so they uh, they had won quite a lot of money. And then after that, they were ambushed. And then Johnny, you know, uh, came upon the scene and uh, he saw these three mutants lying in the, in the street, beaten up, and they had lost all their winnings. And so Johnny, who had made quite a lot of uh, credits on a recent job, uh, almost like a million credits, he gave it all to these three mutants. He even forced Wolf to give up his stash. He's part of the winnings. And then the mutants uh, took the money and they thanked Johnny and they uh, built this school and uh, named Sternhammer Street after Wolf. <laughs> so that's a reference to that story way back when in Prague 189. So they arrive at the Milton Keynes Mutants Association where Johnny has a contact and he speaks to this contact, um, a guy called Billy. And um, I don't really see his mutation other than his weird shaped head, uh, but he's definitely a mutant. He's one of the mutants from Mutis Luck, the tale I mentioned. And then he asks Billy uh, if he knows the whereabouts of this beast of Milton Keynes, this guy called Beast Ballsover, uh, who's the target. Um, who's wanted for murder, but uh, Billy's reluctant to tell Johnny about this. He's obviously hiding the whereabouts of the beast, and Johnny then uses his mutant alpha eyes to suss out the truth. He stares into the mind of Billy, and uh, he, he, he knows that Billy's lying. Now, he can't completely read Billy's thoughts, but he definitely knows that the truth is not being told here. So Billy then says, but okay, uh, actually Beast is innocent. Johnny says, all right, before he takes Beast in, he'll hear him out. He'll he'll listen to his part of the story. And then Billy does, in fact, give up the location of Beast Balls over. So Johnny and Wolf head off into Milton Keynes towards the address given to them by Billy. And then Beast is this very, even though he's a giant um, of a mutant, he's very uh, timid, childlike almost. Um, and uh, he's protected by his aunt, Ma and Aunt Pa, <laughs> who refuse to give him up. Even when Johnny arrives uh, at the house, they decide to fight. And Beast takes out, um, you know, at the back from the back door, Johnny and Wolf give chase. And then uh, they're confronted by Ma and Pa. And Johnny soon, soon takes them out with a gas um, pellet, a gas capsule from his um, uh, sidearm. And this is not fatal, folks. This is just to, to confuse the mutants so that uh, Wolf and Johnny can continue the pursuit. Eventually, they catch up with Beast. Bla Johnny actually takes out a corner of, <laughs> of the ghetto by 
um, using an explosive cartridge to completely demolish, demolish this uh, sidewalk and this this piece of the wall, uh, throwing uh, you know Beast into the air, and uh, he gives up. And then Johnny asks him to explain, tell his side of the story. And Beast uh, says that he was ambushed by two norms, two humans, outside of a bar. They beat him up, they took his money, and then they started arguing over uh, Beast's cash. And the one uh, norm killed the other with a, with a sidearm. And then Beast woke up with the dead body of the dead norm lying next to him. He was covered in blood. And the folks saw him. And they obviously remembered his face. So he knew that mutants were not treated fairly by the courts and the judges in this system. So he took off. And that's when the bounty was put out on him. And so Johnny again uses his mutant alpha eyes to penetrate deep into Beast's mind uh, through his uh, brain and into his very soul. And he sees that this is in fact the truth. But the problem still stands. Others won't believe him. The courts won't believe him since he's a mutant. He'll probably get a, a raw deal if if he goes to the law with this guy so johnny decides the only thing to do is to put him out of his misery and he points his gun at the beast even though he believes him and he blasts him to kingdom come so what happened here folks you probably think herman how can you like this reprehensible mutant uh johnny alpha well as it turns out um at this point in time, we're as surprised as Wolf, but not as surprised as Johnny, because this was all part of a plan. Johnny had a video slug in his helmet that recorded him killing Beast, and he turns off the video slug, and at that moment, Beast wakes up. It turns out Johnny set his sidearm to stun, and in fact, Beast balls over is not dead. He gets up, and Johnny says, he explains to him, he says, I hit you with a stun shot. I had to make it look good for the evidence I have to take back. And then uh, Johnny says he believes the story, but others certainly won't. So, um, you know, rather than spending his whole life as a fugitive, why not spend his whole life as a dead man where everybody thinks he's dead and the price on his head has been erased? So Johnny ends with saying, you're officially dead now. Enjoy it. And then Beast walks away, a grateful man, or I should say a grateful mutie. And uh, Johnny ends the tale by saying, that's the first time I ever did a man a favor by killing him. <laughs> and then Wolf says, uh, a favor? You're leaving him alive to live in a, a terrible hole like Milton Keynes? Do me that favor, Johnny. Don't do me any favors. The end. So, folks, that's a bit of a sampling of an amazing Strontium Dog tale. One of my absolute favorites. Short, but sweet. And it showcases the character, the world, um, as conceived by the great John Wagner, creator of Judge Dredd and of Johnny Alpha, and this time around written by Alan Grant, John's longtime writing partner, and penciled by the great Carlos Esquera. <laughs> All right, so that's it, folks. I hope you enjoyed um, the story. If you haven't read it or don't have it and you want to purchase it, you can do so by picking up the Strontium Dog Search Destroy Agency Files, a nice thick collection, and that'll be Volume 3, put out by Rebellion Publishing, um, either on the 2080 app or directly from Rebellion or from Amazon.uk, or you can find the original form in which it was printed by purchasing the 1986-2080 annual from eBay. 
Um, again, I would like to remind you to please send feedback uh, if you've read or enjoyed the story or if you have general thoughts about the show, let me know at strontiumpod at gmail.com or Twitter at strontiumpod. You can DM me and if you do, contact me to send feedback. I'll feature your comments on the show. But for now, that's goodbye from me, folks. I hope you enjoyed episode zero. And of course, I want you all back for episode one, which should be available before Christmas. But until then, I guess I'll see you in the doghouse, muties. This is Strontium Pod, signing off. <laughs>